You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you. When I spoke a couple of weeks ago, I gave my message the title, The Waves and Wind Still Know His Name. Well, I I want to continue roughly that theme because I've been thinking about how God's plans are different from anything we can ever imagine. They transcend not only nature, but science and engineering as well. I'm really sorry to say that I can be quite blasé about miracles I read of in scripture. For example, feeding 5,000 men plus women and children with just five rolls and two fish, that's great. But maybe it doesn't feel quite real. And I believe it happened, but but imagine if you'd been there. You're one of the disciples. You've handed over all the food this vast crowd can muster, and you have the sum total in your hands. Five rolls, two little fish. Jesus had broken them up now into 12 portions, one for each of his disciples, and you've got yours. And now you're starting to hand it out. And every time you give it to one person, there's still enough for the next one. If you'd been there, if I'd been there, we would be bursting with what we'd seen. It was absolutely impossible. Who is this man we're following? But you know, these are not made up stories to teach a point. They're not parables. They are real happenings. Jesus did it. Who is this? How can he do such things? Uh, But today I want to take you back even further in time and I want to encourage you with another true happening from one of my favourite characters in the Old Testament, that's Joshua. At the start of the book of Joshua, he's just taken over leadership of the Israelites. Moses, the great man of God, has died and they're about to cross the Jordan River with a view to entering the land of Canaan, the promised land. You can find the story in Joshua um, from in chapter 5, from verse 13 to the end of chapter 6. I'm not going to read it just now, um, but you know what? You'll be mightily blessed if you want to go and read it later. Try to imagine you are there seeing it unfold. You will be, wow, wow, wow. So let me give you a little background to this story. God had chosen Joshua to take over from Moses. Remember, Moses wasn't to be allowed to enter the promised land because of an anger issue which led him to sin. But he does get to see it. And now Joshua is in charge. Do you know, he's really been thrown in at the deep end because he comes in as leader, just as they're all arriving on the edge of the promised land after 40 years in the desert. Joshua is one of only two men who left Egypt and are still alive. And anyone who thinks they're too old to be used by God should remember This man was 85 years old at this point. Joshua had led the army onto the battlefield during those desert years. He had seen what sin had done to the people and he had seen the punishment for it. But through it all, he had been a man trusting God to fulfil his promises. Moses had seen it in him because he changed his name from Hoshea, meaning salvation, to Joshua, Jehovah is salvation. Joshua was a man of faith. He heard God speak. 
he believed him and he acted on his word. Chapter one begins with God assuring him he is the man for the task. God says, verse three, I will give you every place where you set your foot. Verse four, your territory will extend. Verse five, no one will be able to stand against you. And again in verse five, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. What encouragement. Verse seven, be strong and courageous. And the one that I know I constantly use to remind myself that God is with me and probably you do too. Verse nine, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. Wow. So what is the secret of Joshua's success? Well, it's this. Verse 8 of chapter 1. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Selwyn Hughes said, As Joshua meditated on God's word, the continuous inner mental and spiritual discipline produced in him clarity of thought, sharpness of intellect, and a greater power of concentration. Reading this, I was reminded of the study some of the ladies are doing in Acts just now, empowered yesterday and today. Do you know the reason the early church was so successful was down to the amount of time they spent fasting and praying over absolutely every decision they made. They looked to God seriously and he never let them down. Do you know what? That sounds to me like the secret of success with God. And Joshua knew this even back then. So he stepped up to the senior leadership role and he led by being in constant communication with his God. He did whatever God told him to do. So chapter two, he sent out spies who make Rahab, who saves them and ultimately saves her whole family. Chapter three, and they're looking at the flooded River Jordan and they have to get over it. So what's the preparation? Verse five. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And while we know he certainly did. The priests carry the Ark of the Lord. They, they walk into the Jordan River, which immediately, just like the wind and waves of Galilee, immediately cut off flowing and stood up in a heap. Imagine how these priests carrying the Ark felt as they got to the edge of the water and put their foot out to step over and the water behaved in such an extraordinary way. But they had to put their foot forward. The ark was the symbol of the Lord's presence. The ark is mentioned 10 times in chapter 3. It went before the people into the river, and it stood in the middle until they were all passed. It was amazing. Not just a piece of fiction, not folklore, not a parable, but a real-life situation showing what a people trusting God can do. Warren Wearsby wrote, Christ always goes before his people and always opens the way. Do you know, has there, has there ever been a time more urgent than now for us to trust that God is going before us and opening the way? We really need him just now. What's the way? Well, it's sanctification. Again, we have to be right with God. He's done it all for us. We just need to trust and follow. This miracle happened exactly as God told Joshua it would. God kept his word as the people trusted him. This is the second time that God had opened a waterway for the Israelites. 
We know the first one, the Red Sea. Well, it illustrates freedom from the slavery of the past, from Egypt. But the second time, it represents entrance by faith into our spiritual inheritance in Christ. Once on the other side, God commanded them to receive the mark of the covenant, circumcision. But that message is for another preacher at another time. But that takes us on to chapter 5. And in verse 13, we see great, high, thick walls, Jericho. And the Israelite army are looking at it with and seeing that there's really no hope of penetration. Well, what do we want to learn about faith from this story? Well, the truth is we can learn a great deal, but I want to focus on three truths for us today. The first is the opportunity for faith. The second, the obedience of faith. And the third is the overcoming power of faith. So first of all, here's Jericho standing in the way of entry to Canaan for the Israelites. This is their promise from God. But all they see is walls so high and so thick. Humanly speaking, generals would have been talking about finding ways to scale the wall. Maybe there was a way of breaking down the massive gates and getting in that way. Maybe they could tunnel under the, 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 the town under cover of darkness, or they could even starve them out of the city. But then they don't know how much food they have. Humanly speaking, this was a pretty impossible task. But isn't that just the kind of situation of odds stacked against us that God loves to operate in? With God, it's always by faith that obstacles are overcome. Again, Selwyn Hughes said, despite all the failures of Israel, the crossing of the Jordan and the conquest of Jericho show them demonstrating faith which produced amazing results. Imagine being there, approaching the banks of the Jordan, seeing the dry ground and the water held back on either side and having to step in where you know there should be water and lots of it. Imagine stepping out on the other side and seeing Jericho with no feasible way of getting in. Except they have God. He offers an alternative Faith, faith's the alternative. Same as when he offers salvation. It's impossible to find a crossing from sin into God's righteousness. There's no way of doing that either, except by faith. And God so longs that you would do that if you don't already know him. So Joshua's there looking at the fortified city. No way in, but God gives him a faith booster. A reminder, he's not on his own. Let me read you 13 to 15 of chapter 5. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Now that is a wow. This is the battle title of the Lord. It speaks of his supreme command of, of the hosts, the armies of Israel and of heaven. Jesus Christ had come to direct the battle and Joshua was quick to acknowledge his leadership. His faith was quickened. He knew God was taking control. This was a God opportunity to do things that only God could do. This was an opportunity of faith. Secondly, there's the obedience of faith. You see, it was one thing for God to tell Joshua in chapter 6 and verse 2 
See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and fighting men. That's great, but it's not happening without Joshua doing exactly what God says to do. So here's Joshua, seeing the commander, hearing him say the victory is theirs, and then comes the battle plan. And it's pretty strange to say the least. But they did it because they had learned that God will do things which look crazy because then it could only be God who accomplished it. If they had tactics and engineering fates and weaponry, it would have become Joshua's plans had succeeded and he was a great general. But this way, compass the city once a day for six days. The seventh day, compass the city seven times. When the priests blow the ram's horns, everyone's to shout. That's it. Now, if that works, it defies science and engineering completely. It can only be God. But think of the faith it must have taken to do this. What a strange plan for fighting a war. You know, God's ways are not our ways. And he uses what the world terms foolish to confound the mighty. Listen, all of God's blessing come by faith. It's God's way of doing things. Our salvation comes by faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Faith brings answers to prayer. James 1 and 6. When he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Mark 9, 23. Everything is possible for one who believes. You know, sometimes it's not easy to have faith when we're asking God for something. But when we grasp how able he is, how much he loves to give us, how creative he is in his answers, we end up astounded. He can make walls fall down with a shout. He is one amazing, awesome God. The thing about faith is that it requires something from us as well, obedience. Remember the story of Naaman and his leprosy. He had to go to the Jordan River and dip in this mucky river seven times in order to be healed. And let me tell you, it's mucky. He almost didn't do it because of his pride, but then he did. And you know what? He was healed. Remember Jesus performing his first miracle at the wedding in Cana. Nobody had seen him in action. They thought he was simply Mary and Joseph's son. But the host commanded the servants to fill barrels with water and bring them to Jesus. And the miracle happened. Read the story in John's Gospel, chapter 2. So back to Jericho. What must it have been like for the citizens of Jericho during this time? What must they have been thinking? Remember, Rahab had told the spies the people were terrified. They knew that the Israelites would win the fight and they were doomed. But now they're looking and the Israelite army is on the move. And they're marching silently with the Ark of the Lord in front. The seven priests with ram's horns, the only sound. It must have felt so strange to the people of Israel, people of Jericho, sorry, because the world never understands obeying in faith. So don't ever expect them to. So we've considered the opportunity for faith and the obedience of faith. So finally, let's look at the overcoming power of faith. It's day seven. The Israelites' army marched around the walls again, but this time, seven times. The ark of the Lord in front, the priests blowing their trumpets, 
Then the people shouted as the Lord had commanded, and the wall simply fell flat. It's very important they fell flat so that they could rush into the city and take it for God. Do you know, it's pretty easy to see why Israel was victorious over the enemy. Four points, and worth us remembering. They obeyed their leaders. They had patience and faith. They trusted God for the impossible. And they obeyed him in every detail. God has outlined for us in his word all we need to know about spreading the gospel and conquering the enemy. If we listen to our commander's order and we obey them, he will give us victory. Could God have delivered the city to Joshua on day one? Of course he could. But he taught his people so much during that week of marching. They were to be silent as they marched. It required patience and obedience and discipline. They trusted God for the absurd, but he was with them and he showed he's always the one who can achieve the impossible. He doesn't need to follow nature. He doesn't need to follow engineering. He doesn't need to follow the rules of science. He's God and with him, all things are possible. It's important to always be aware he's the God of the impossible. Our faith has an overcoming power. Isn't that amazing? Listen, these people obeyed God in every detail. The loot was devoted to God. Rahab and her family were saved. The animals and the citizens of Jericho were to be slain. Sometimes we obey God before the battle, but then we disobey him. Like after the victory. But Achan, like Achan, whose sin found him out in chapter 7. God gave the Israelites an amazing victory at Jericho because they believed him and obeyed his word. Go now and read the book of Acts. Thank you, Anne Reed, for bringing this to the ladies' group. And be amazed at how God's spiritual army conquered one city after another by faith. Even mighty Rome. Warren Wearsby writes, God's people need again to learn how to capture cities. And this chapter tells us how. So why not bonus? But what about our own Jerichos? Well, let me finish by giving you Wearsby's five points of the overcoming power of faith. Number one, the soldier who wants to fight the best must bow the lowest before the battle. We saw this in Joshua 5, 13 to 15. Number two, no one can take a city alone. Joshua had everyone with him. Number three, when we follow God's methods, no matter how strange they sound, he wins the battles and he gets the glory. That's why he uses the foolish methods. Number four, unbelief looks at the walls and giants of Numbers 13 and 28. Faith looks to the Lord. And number five, we see the grace of God at work even in judgment. Rahab and her family were saved. An extra blessing for us is to remember she is named in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. That is so amazing. You know, we're living in a difficult situation just now. I honestly feel your pain that we can't meet in church. It's so strange being here and the place is empty and I'm speaking to you on, on an iPad. But I feel it all for you, that we can't pray together as we normally would. And that's without all the personal issues that we're facing as well. But God is still in complete control. He won the greatest victory on the cross 
turning seeming defeat totally around to a great victory. I want to encourage you to trust him for the victory in whatever circumstance you find yourself in. Our God is for us. I am who he says I am. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise, especially the enemy. I am his and I'm always on the victory side. So may God richly bless you this week and bring you many victories along your way. Amen.